What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey, what's going on, my brother? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast, and I couldn't be more excited. Really, truly honored to have our guest with us today, Dewey Freeman, who is a sought-after teacher, trainer, licensed therapist, an equine professional who's worked all across the world. Um, I could read your whole bio, but I'm so grateful just to have you here so I could actually let you, you know... <laughs> Share talk about all the that. amazing yeah a little bit of that and and just uh just i would say before we kind of even do that i know for for the men that have listened to this podcast for a while for the men who've bought my book um you know we all have various things that shape us into who we are today and but the men who are listening oftentimes aren't happy necessarily with the trajectory the trajectory that they've been on and uh and they want to become better which is great, which is awesome. And same mm-hmm. with me. And a lot of times pain has pushed them towards that. Um, but I'll be honest, as I wrote, wrote about in my book, there's very few men that I've come across, quite frankly, who I look up to and aspire to become as someone that I acknowledge as like, man, he's, he's, a, he's the king of his kingdoms. He's, he's uh, mastered himself and granted it, it never truly ends in terms of growth, but I look at you and I'm like, man, I, I hope to be Dewey someday. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm incredibly honored. <laughs> truly. And I'm, 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 I'm being honest and genuine. I, that, uh, I, do feel I like know you're well enough to know that you are being honest. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you're, you're living it. And, and then really kind of at that place in your life where you're just pouring back into men and you've had a, an immense impact on me just since we've really met just about a year ago, I guess. Yeah. It was almost a year ago. Yeah. Boy, pretty close to. It was March. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Down in Texas at a men's initiation with Traver Boehm, who's been on the podcast and we had horses and everything else, but anyways, long intro. Thank you for being here. Thanks for, uh, thank you for, thank you for inviting me. I'm incredibly honored to be here. Yeah. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Um, tell tell the guys uh, who are listening who don't know you just a little bit more of your, you know, street cred, so to speak. <laughs> My street cred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Show me your tattoos and everything else. Well, I have a few of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> um, you have a lower back tattoo that says "breathe," correct? Just says "breathe." Lord, no. Breathe. No. <laughs> you no. Got actually, it spring break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I have, this is, I don't even know if you can see it. Yeah. Let me see if we can even get closer. I have a tattoo oh. of one of my Shores. horses. Yeah. And a banner on it says, carry me on my journey. Mm. And this is one of my, and actually, you can just see up here a little bit, that picture of this yeah. horse that's yeah. up there. Yeah. As a, the king of my horses. Mm. Uh, he's 
no longer alive. He left us in 2015. And actually that was a major shift in my life. Um, why don't I, why don't I start off just a little bit, uh, to give some background, um, and, and I won't go into everything, but there's some things in my life that have made big changes and have been really important to me. Yeah. I would love to dump um, into those. In 1970, many of you may know or remember, or if you don't know or remember, on May 4th, 1970, the National Guard opened fire on students on the Kent State campus. Mm. If there are some people in the audience that don't know uh, about that, uh, it's easy to find online. Mm -hmm. um, the Crosby Seals National Young so Song for Dead in Ohio is about that incident. And I had just completed a degree at Akron University in mechanical engineering and physics. Mm -hmm. And uh, Akron is like 12 miles from Kent. And I was up in Kent the previous days before the shootings with my sister, her boyfriend, and my girlfriend and uh, ended up that morning on the campus mm. uh, in the middle of the group of students that got shot at. I was in the middle of that group. Wow. Fortunately, I was not one of the people injured. Um, and what happened for me was um, I was very into civil rights. I was very into anti-Vietnam anti War. And I want to speak to that piece right now, uh, particularly for those who may be listening here um, who are veterans, is that uh, and that I've been anti-war with a number of the wars that we've gone into as, as a nation. I have never been anti-soldier, soldier, never. Um, and I believe that we need our military. I believe that we need soldiers to protect us. And I believe we need presidents that make better decisions. Mm -hmm. So just so everybody knows that, because uh, that, that's really important to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but after that, I, I was supposed to, I'm going to wrap back around to Kent State. I had been hired as an engineer at Rubbermaid in 1970 to make 25 grand a year, which then was a big deal. Now it'd mm -hmm. probably be maybe 75 to 80, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I couldn't do it. After seeing kids shot after that experience, I couldn't do it. And I was, I went through a period of falling apart, a period of major, major struggle. And a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to go work at a program in Southwest Ohio that was putting together an outward bound um, set up for that summer. And I said, yes. And that's essentially how I got into working with people from engineering and physics to being a therapist now in my life. So you hadn't done any type of therapy yourself or any type of no, I've not done therapy prior to that. 
Um, I had in like discussions and groups with people and trying to grow, but no, no, not, not prior to that. Yeah. And, and I was pushed to my limit with one, the shootings, but then, yeah, we're bound peace. And, um, at the end of that summer, I came out here meeting Colorado to backpack and basically never left. Hmm. Um, and went back to school, got three other degrees. Uh, I'm not going to bore everyone with all of that. But, and then I did post-master's work, uh, about six years of post-master's work. And have had various jobs, therapist in, in a school. I've been a principal of a school. I have started two institutes that I still run, one of them. Um, and I've been a university professor for 31 years. Amazing. At a couple, one, 31 years at Naropa University. I also taught for the University of Northern Colorado. Hmm. So that's the quick and dirty. Um, and as we covered, you have a, a love for horses. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I said, as we covered, you have a, a love for horses. I love for horses. I grew up in an Amish community um, and uh, learned about horses and I never rode, but I worked with horses on different farms and mm -hmm. um, and I was away from horses for a while. Actually, part of what I was doing at Akron University is I wanted to become an air, a, a pilot. So that's one of my other passions. I can't do both. I, I mm -hmm. did become a pilot. I became, uh, I had my commercial license for single engine land. Cool. And, uh, but I can't afford both horses yeah. and flying at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, in uh, late 80s, I began picking back up with horses. And, uh, and part of that was my love of horses. Part of that was a lot of the therapy that I was doing was wilderness therapy. So mm -hmm. I was combining those two things. Um, and yeah, my life has dramatically been, I don't know, dramatic, that's probably not the right word, intensely revolved around horses and nature and the work with that I do with horses, land, earth, and nature. So, mm. Mm. so that's some quick and dirty stuff. There's a few other pieces in there that have been, you know, if we have time and you all want to, we can dive into it a little bit. Yeah, well, you obviously you've mentioned a few things. I've mentioned some of those as well. I think uh, the older, the more revolutions around the sun that we have as men, the, the greater the probability of having some sort of shit hit the fan. Um, that would be most... a truth. That'd be <laughs> one of the truer statements I've heard in a long time. Right, right. And I do feel like it's those um, those moments that can be catalysts for massive. Uh, growth, massive enlightenment, yeah. mm -hmm. or they can be catalysts for finding yourself at the bottom of a barrel, you know, right. or we get, um, possibly can get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Kent State was one of them for you. Um, what impact did that have on you? Was it just, did it put things into perspective? Cause you said you couldn't, you just didn't want to take the rubber made job at that point. It was just like, did nothing else seem 
worthy well, or what worthwhile? I was, yes. What I what I was looking for and what I began looking for was meaning in life. Mm-hmm. Um and I I loved engineering. I love physics. I still do. I built stuff. I'm I'm still into sort of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kinds of scientific in, endeavors. I mess with that all the time. Um, and probably the biggest thing I learned in engineering school was how to think in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we take like, it, it was like literally after the Kent, the incident at Kent State, it was like I was literally going, what in God's name are we doing here? What are we doing? What's the meaning of even being alive? What is this all about? And I have like two, like before that and after that, two other major uh, pieces that have highly influenced me. And I'll just share those quickly. Mm-hmm. And we can dive into anything you want to after that. Yeah, very please, please. Um, at my birth, my mother, when my mother was pregnant with me, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis Hmm. and I was whisked away, um, and didn't live with her. Didn't even, I, I could, she saw me through glass panes, uh, but this was 1950 and, uh, there were no antibiotics on the market to be able to deal with tuberculosis. So she was put in the sanitarium. I didn't live with her. Thankfully, she recovered. I didn't live with her until I was close to 18 months old. Um, That was the whole piece that, I mean, now one of the things that people know me for is my model of working with attachment and development. And that is really the core of what that, that's where that came from. And after the piece of African state, it was like, what's the value of life what who do we attach to so those two things got wrapped up together mm-hmm. and and so i started that's when i actually went into therapy and started my own work and um i was an incredibly angry man on one level i was in, i was super kind and caring and on another level i was just i just had rage inside me Thankfully, I did not harm anybody with that. I probably, luckily, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are the two, those are two huge pieces. On the other end of that, in my 30s, I actually lost two children, one in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And then my wife and I at the time, um, uh, tried to adopt and that little girl was born with uh, no brain development. And um, so there was a whole piece around adoption and that whole piece. So in that loss, it was really, uh, those are my birth, Kent State, and those pieces around losing children are, um, those are the, probably the three biggest pieces that I would say have really, um, for lack of better words, both forced and invited me to mm-hmm. look at my life and what I'm doing. 
Yeah, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, two sides of the same coin. Right. And what what was interesting, just to put this piece in, because when I, after, after the loss of children, I ended up getting divorced. It just wrecked our marriage. Mm. And I had not uh, spoken to, uh, her name is Robin. I've not spoken to her probably for 35 years until I ran into her on a horse about six months ago she wow. was riding wow and it was like oh my god so and it's been quite lovely i mean i don't know that we're going to become good friends and go hang out all the time but it oh. certainly is kind caring and respectful and it was very nice to be able to come all the way back around and sort of have that circle closed. Yeah. I mean, when you have like soul ties like that with shared human experiences of such tragedy, it's, it's hard to not feel connected with them. Whether totally. you ever got yeah. to speak to her again, you're still kind of connected to her. Yeah, you know, totally. To those and kids. It, yeah. And, and I mean, she's a lovely woman. She's very kind. And um, so that, that's been a just, and it was a chance meeting. It, there's, there's no way in God's name that I would have guessed that was going to happen. That's crazy. That would that's, yeah, crazy. that's crazy. Those things are, I think, such kind of uh, beautiful, divine coincidences mm -hmm. that there's just like, what? Yeah, what, what, what? Yeah, what? how did that? But okay, that's, uh, it's, it's humbling and yet beautiful to, to your point. Well, so, and the, the crazy ass part about it was we were both writing uh, the institute that I run is a, one is called the Gestalt Equine Institute of the Rockies. And we teach mm -hmm. out of a place, a ranch in Littleton called Happy Dog Ranch. And I was riding in the arena there. You weren't on your pony, were you? Yeah, I was on my, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I just figured that's, you know, you yeah. on your, little, your little pony, but yeah <laughs> well the, the guy i was on he's he's a big pony so yeah 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 um and and actually if you ever want it if if when we're done talking here i can send you a picture that yeah, you want to connect to I the podcast it. so that'd be yeah. great i'd love you I would, to. I would absolutely love that anyway uh there was another person in the arena getting a lesson and the person the instructor is a very good friend of mine and at one point we were sort of at the same end of the arena. And the instructor said, she introduced us like any, you know, could have been anybody. Yeah. And it was like, I looked at Robin and said, oh my God. And, and she had a helmet on. I actually had a helmet on that day too. Sunglasses, you can't be. It was like, are you Robin so-and-so? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes. And it was like, oh my God. Because mm -hmm. it, it was probably probably 34 or five years, something like that. That's crazy. crazy. I know. I know. Wow. wow. So that's that's amazing. Well, circling back to, to what you mentioned with your <clears throat> first kind of uh yeah, just your first point of that story is what did you feel like as you started jumping into doing your work? Some of the things that you realized that that you missed out on perhaps, or maybe you didn't miss out on, but that were you ended up getting from someone else in those first couple of years of the developmental stages that, 
you know, just connecting the dots that, that you miss when not having to have that like physical contact, the emotional contact with your birth mother for two years yeah. or a year and a half. Yeah, that, that was, that was gigantic. Um, the actually, interestingly enough, I'm still doing work on that. Hmm. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I'm, but the work I'm doing on it's a different kind of work. So I'd love to share that. I'm really glad you asked me that. Thank yeah, you very much to, for asking. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'd love to hear. Um, the biggest piece going back to the early, early stuff is a, a tremendous loss, a tremendous amount of, of like, like a hole in my soul is how I would, would, um, put it out there. And, uh, because there was nobody to attach to. And we, as, as beings, as, as humans, we are designed to attach. Hmm. If we don't attach to our mothers, we will attach to something. We might attach to a dog. We might attach to a cat. We might attach to um another person later on we may attach to things like alcohol mm -hmm. drugs porn mm -hmm. we we will attach some of those attachments are really powerful and positive some of those Healthy. attachments we will would now call addictions mm -hmm. and i can talk about that a little bit if that would be helpful to people mm -hmm. um and but the two people I really attached to was my grandfather and my older sister, whom my grandfather, I actually changed my name, Freeman. It was not my original name. Mm. Uh, Freeman is my grandfather's name. And um, he was the person who literally saved my life. And it, it's a big part of of what I feel with men now, because it, it was like I was unbelievably fortunate enough to be able to have a grandfather that was unbelievably kind and unbelievably caring. And, um, and when I say that, many people say, well, what about your father? Well, my father was trying to take care of his wife. My father was trying, he was driving long distance truck and he was a machinist and is trying to take care of my older sister and, and take care of his wife and it's like mm. like he could not do that it wasn't that he was an asshole he it was like he was if you could imagine the person that you just dearly love is dying and you have a son who you don't know is going to make it i mean that's a big deal so mm. um so it's important to me to say that because I don't want my father to be dissed here because that's not that's not a fair thing. Yeah. It's just that my grandfather was there. Mm -hmm. And um, but when we're left with those kinds of incredibly deep wounds of loss, and that's what it really is. It's a it's a loss. Um one of we have to find a way to grieve that loss. Most of the time, though, people don't recognize that we have those attachment losses because people don't think little babies 
even uh, connect in that way. Yeah, right, right. But we feel that we remember that in our bodies in the deepest level that we can remember and the deepest level that we can hold. Mm -hmm. And so late when I really started doing work with it, it was unbelievable sobbing and uh, wondering why in God's name would God do anything like this? And at one point, what, what was interesting, and th this is some of the work I'm doing now, is when I was 34, and, and for credit to my mother, my mother cried. Anytime I needed to talk, anytime I needed to work with stuff, she would be, she was open to doing that. Mm. And she was actually in Colorado with me. We were, I, the home I lived in then was down in Westminster, but you could see the front range. Mm. We're sitting at my little round table in a little kitchen nook. I'm 34 years old and we're talking about my birth and my struggles in relationship and I don't know what hit me exactly what hit me was I no one's ever asked her what it was like for her I had never in 34 years asked my mother what it was like mm. to have a little baby a boy that she wanted and for to have that little baby ripped away and not be able to do anything not be able to hold, not be able to breastfeed, not be able to be close until then wonder mm. if she was going to live. Mm. And, and it was that I, when I asked her, mom, what was that like for you? That's what busted that the wall that was between us. That's what that wall dropped. Because I was old enough to be, to go, what was it like on your end? And that literally shifted everything in our relationship. And I mean, I just, I can remember that now. I mean, sobbing and her mm -hmm. sobbing and us literally holding each other. I'm sure the way that I needed held as an infant and that she needed to hold me as an infant. Although I'm 6'3 and not quite an infant anymore, but uh, the the emotional process is the same. And, and we as beings and need to be able to go back and grieve and we need to be able to go back and ask those kind of questions. And unfortunately, many, many men are told not to grieve, not to touch into that vulnerable place, not to touch into that place where you literally feel like you're a little kid or literally mm -hmm. feel like you're, you know, you're this infant that's not going to live. Mm -hmm. And it's that level of vulnerability that actually gives us the strength and power to, to be able to uh, move forward. And it was that level of vulnerability that actually allowed when I lost children allowed my mother to get what I was going through mm. because she went through the same damn thing. Mm. And so, um, and so my work now around this is, is 
I mean, I still have deep feelings about it. I still feel very vulnerable in regard to this. And it's like, if people can get that, whether it's men or women, if we can get that, yeah, we can go through incredibly horrible times and come out okay and incredibly difficult times and um, hold and stay with each other, we can, we can do well. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Um, and I think it's kind of the, the basis of why I was asking the particular questions because it's like, I know when I first quote unquote, um, you know, start stepping out of the quote unquote matrix <laughs> of just, mm-hmm. you know, and my, my life imploded and I started asking some of those questions of creation and belonging and, and why this, totally. and why that <clears throat> it takes a lot of humility. Um, and, and sometimes life will beat you down enough to where you are humble enough to say, just, just help, you know, God, whomever help direct me mm-hmm. in the, in, in the direction I need to go. Yeah. But I do feel like there's a lot of men who I come across who probably listen to this podcast, same, I'm sure with, with the men that, that work with you, who might look upon you now as a king, as a man who's, who knows himself, who has uh, just the right amount of fucks to give to the the right the right things in his life, <laughs> right? Uh, but owns himself and and has uh, great integrity and authenticity. And yet, I think it's good to kind of walk the timeline back. Yeah, a little bit to walk like, backwards and see that to get here, you got to. Uh, I don't know what would be the. Uh, it's like you sort of got to go through hell to get here. Right. And it's just scary. It's scary, literally scary as hell. And it's mm-hmm. like, like, are you willing? Are you willing to go to the place to where inside you think you might die? Or sometimes go to the place of this would be easier if I did die. Because this is so fucking painful. It is so fucking painful to hold a child in your arms and have them die. It is so fucking painful to be in a relationship and be told you're not good enough. It's so fucking painful to be in an accident and not be the same physically anymore. It is so fucking painful to uh, give your heart and your soul to something or maybe even a community and be rejected um and inside it's like you know you know are you willing to dig in there and go yeah this is part of life this is not part of death and when we go through those things and i i actually wasn't really planning on going here but i'm gonna go here is the men and that we that I know both you and I work with. And I was talking to a good friend of mine named Robert this morning. And you know Robert? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like 
um, you know, the, the whole piece of, uh, can we go there? And when we want to, when we reach that place where we wonder whether or not we want to live, it's not really about whether we want to live or die. It's, it's really about, we need to get out of the pain that we're in. That's what we're really going for. Mm -hmm. To be able to get out of the pain, we have the way that we are designed to be able to move out of pain is through relationship. Mm. It's through relationship. And that sounds crazy as hell because if we've just had somebody die or if we've been, we're in love with someone and they, we find out that they've been cheating or, um, you know, we we have a parent or we have a brother or we have a sister that dies or somebody is tragically injured. It's like we oftentimes don't feel like we're going to get through that. Mm -hmm. And we get injured in relationship. And so whether, again, we're cheated on or somebody dies or or we're lied to or those kind of things we we get injured in relationship and we go well fuck relationship i'm not going there again hmm. and then at the same time the only way out of that is through relationship the only way we heal from those injuries in relationship is in relationship hmm. and so i'll just do a little quick thing in here about the horses is mm -hmm. is like if if we are so injured in relationship that we can't necessarily go do something relational with another person. There's other ways to get to relationship. For me, it's horses. It's literally horses mm -hmm. <laughs> and nature and, and being there and being held and being uh, connected with in a way that's, um, that's unconditional and that's part of what happens that's yeah um that's where we can go yeah um well i feel like it's the uh, love not to interject uh in that thought per se but <clears throat> it's it's the love but i also find that uh whether it be just in my own life experience of divorce or losing a parent or losing a, a buddy up on long's peak when we were hiking or various other things or families and friends who mm -hmm. go to the hospital expecting to come home with their child and they lose the child to come home. Right. Like you, you, there's that loss and then there's an attachment to the pain. And I know for me, it took me years to work through my various tragedy mm -hmm. because I then just got attached to retelling the story. Cause that made me feel connected with them, right. but it didn't allow me to actually progress. I just stayed in the past. I just stayed yeah. in pain and just kind of going in this kind of perpetual circle of, you know, going deeper and deeper and then waste knowing I'm wasting time, but not feeling like I could let go of them or let go of that, mm -hmm. that pain. And so it, it sounds like if, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's, it's the relationships, it's the love, it's like unconditional attachment to something greater that helps us heal. Correct. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. And yes, yes. And what's, what you mentioned around telling the story is really powerful because many times telling and retelling and retelling and retelling our story actually re-traumatizes us. It's completely. 
Totally. <laughs> now, am I telling you or anybody else? And I know you know this, but it's like, am I saying we shouldn't tell our story? Absolutely. We need to tell our story. Yeah. And we need to tell our story from our heart and our soul, not from our brains, not from not in, intellectually. Mm-hmm. And in that telling of the story, part of telling our story is allowing ourselves to be held in our grief mm-hmm. and our loss and our hurt and our anger and express those things in real time, in relationship with another being so that we know that we can come out okay that's that's what that's about and it's Mm -hmm. like um a lot of and and i've done this too i mean part of my healing was i would go deep into the mountains and and backpack and be out there for days by myself or i would go up with one of my horses or and though that's a part of our healing knowing that we can be with ourselves another part of our healing though is literally being able to curl up if we need to in someone else's arms and sob and sob and sob and it doesn't matter whether you're six foot five and 350 pounds or whether you're you know five ten and 160 pounds we need to have a place where we can be held in our grief and held and not just the sadness of our grief because people mistake it thinking that grief is just sadness. It's, it's loss. It's sadness. It's unbelievable rage. I was going to say anger. Yeah. Yeah. And like unbelievable rage. We need to tap into that in a Mm -hmm. safe way. Mm -hmm. And And do that in a way that we can come out okay. And um, that's part of what the initiations help with. That's part of the work that I do. I know that's part of the work that you do. Um, But we need to be able to do that. Do you mind stepping into that a little bit more? I know I've heard you talk about it plenty of times. Um, but for those that maybe haven't heard it, how, how would you go about making contact and creating intimacy with family, friends, communities, uh, AKA going after healing? Uh, get a little more specific. I'm, you mean, like, if I need to do that, where do I go or how do I know how would you that for somebody else? Uh, how would you create that for someone else or how would someone else take ownership of that? Who knows? Okay. What you're saying resonates to me. I know I need to heal this. And he's saying it to do it through connecting through intimacy, uh, Uh, through relationship. How would I actually, what does that actually tangibly look like for someone who might be like, okay, this sounds good, Dewey, but like, how do I actually apply that? Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, I'm sitting in my, my condo right now. Yeah, listening to this, and I'm yeah, and like, I where, where this, the fuck do I go? This right, is stirring right, right. me, but like, what do I actually do? Right. Um. One is to find a group that that can and will hold you. The the different groups, like uh, 
you know, Connor Beaton's Man Talks, uh, Trevor Bowen's Man Uncivilized. Mm -hmm. uh, both of those groups are fantastic. Tremendous. I know this. You know, I know that you have done some stuff. I don't know the name of what you've done though. So, oh, I've I've discontinued it, but I'm just pushing everyone towards Traver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. To and the and the the groups, the criterion for those groups. And I have a cat that's hungry. You can probably hear him in the background. That's all here. good. It's all good. I thought it was your stomach. No, <laughs> my stomach makes noises, but not that one. Yeah. Uh, the they have to be groups that are based on relationship, not groups that are based on being tough. Mm -hmm. And though that's a really big distinction. That's like, huge. Like Great. the groups that are like, yeah, let's you know, like let's go fight. Let's. It's like there's a part of us that needs to know how to do that. I mean. I mentioned Robert. I'm I'm like I'm pushing 73 here, and I'm doing uh, jujitsu lessons. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I I still want to do that. Mm -hmm. Will I get Will I get on the mat with a 20 year old? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I still want to have that availability. Yeah. But the other part is is so that's one piece is a group that can support you when you need that the other piece is um is we need to be able to find a person whether it's a really solid coach or a really solid therapist to be able to go to the depths that we need to go to and the depths of the grief that we need to be able to go to, to be able to find our way through all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's paramount. Mm -hmm. um, hang on one second here. Sure, I'm, sure. Well, and as you say that, I, I do know I've mentioned it in my newsletters and on podcasts that uh, for men to not just take that lightly, um, to find the right person in the right groups where they feel safe and they feel uh, that they can be quote unquote held emotionally, physically, um, intimately uh, with a professional is so important because there are, yeah. to your point, I see it a lot on social media, a lot of 20 something year olds who are, you know, saying that they're and not to take anything away from them uh, per se, there might be a few in those, in those groups who could, you know, do that, but I do feel like, um, you kind of pay for what you, what you get. And I've had tremendous coaches and they do seem to be, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, they've been mm -hmm. through it. And there's a level of calm and groundedness, um, that is required for a lot of this deep work that you shouldn't just entrust this with the first coach or the first therapist you come across. Right. Maybe, maybe that's incorrect, but that's mine. No, no, I, we're on the same page. So let me talk about that a little bit. Yeah. As a therapist or coach, we cannot take anybody any further than we've gone ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. We cannot, we, anybody that does the work as a therapist or coach needs to have done the work themselves. It's just like, 
if I'm going to give a riding lesson, for instance, and I've never cantered on a horse, I mean, I can walk and trot, but <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do when the horse canters? Yeah, I've yeah. never done that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, so that's a big piece that needs to get checked out. Mm -hmm. The other piece that needs to happen is the therapist or coach has to be able to be vulnerable themselves and be more somatically and emotionally based versus cognitively based. Mm -hmm. And because here's the gig. Developmentally, like for me, I had major attachment stuff early on. Let's say somebody was lucky enough to have pretty solid attachment and they've gone through their life. When they have a major loss or a major trauma, they go back to that same place of attachment. Mm -hmm. They go back developmentally and emotionally to a really young place. Mm -hmm. No matter who we are, no matter how together we are, no matter how wonderful we are. Um, my partner's name is Kimberly. If something happened to her, I would be absolutely fucking devastated. I could not, I couldn't move. Right. Uh, for instance, you know, one of my brothers has died from cancer. His name is John. Um, you know, it's like, is the world okay without John in it for me? Am I okay without John in it? I mean, we go back to that. So we need, we can't just think our way through this stuff. We can't just affirm our way through things. We can't just um, do these three things. We need to have somebody that can take us and be with us in those really, really early developmental places. And it doesn't matter whether you're 50 or whether you're 20 or whether you're 73 we go back to those places mm -hmm. and um, we need somebody that has gone back to those kind of places. So mm -hmm. the question is, is <clears throat> so the, if we can have a group um, say of men that we can go, go to and those men can go, yeah, I get it. You know, we want to be seen. We want to be, heard and we want to be gotten if we can be with a group of people that go i see you i hear you i get you that offers us the foundation to get through day to day and then we need to go back and find somebody to work with that's able to um, walk us through what we need to be walked through as far as grief as far as our rage as far as the messages that we've gotten that don't serve us as for all of as far as learning how to do relationship. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It makes me think of the, the next question would be like, are those the three uh, ingredients, necessary ingredients to create intimacy, whether it's romantic, platonic, uh, with a horse, uh, just uh, to be heard, seen, gotten? Yeah, actually, okay. I would say five. Okay. 
So, but you're, 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 uh, you're, you're good here. You're, you're on the right track. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want to be seen. I want to be heard and I want to be gotten. That's my cat's wanting this too. <laughs> um, um, in that, we want to be safe and we want to belong. That's what we want. So we want to know where we belong. We want to know if we're safe. And in that container, we want to be seen, heard, and gotten. Mm. If we can get those five pieces, we'll do we'll do pretty well. Making, that makes sense. It does make sense. I'm, I'm making notes. I actually do have that written on my on my whiteboard um in my bedroom uh oh, just along part? the lines of just the the safe and the belonging you know i think mm -hmm. about like what am i really what am i personally really looking for in a romantic relationship and it is yeah. all of those things i want to be seen i want to be heard i want to be understood yeah i want to feel safe and i uh, i want to belong you know i want to feel like yeah. this and yeah. and to to feel like um someone sees me experiences me feels me and and vice versa especially in an intimate relationship i think there's uh, a few things that are more beautiful than that in in many regards you know but i also realize that my childhood wounding this is the lack of some of those things with Absolutely. my parents and i love my Absolutely. parents but they were you know to your point earlier with your dad like uh, my parents just didn't have the bandwidth with five kids and yeah all the craziness and the lack of tools and everything else so yeah so let me let me bring this back around a little bit because and i'm loving what you're saying here is <clears throat> when we've been this is going back a little bit in our conversation when we've gone through really hard times when we've had trauma et cetera, et cetera, we often feel like we're prey mm. We feel like the world's coming after our asses. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason I work with horses. Horses are actually prey animals. Mm -hmm. The way they're safe is to be in relationship. The biggest thing that horses want in the beginning is, am I safe and where do I belong? In other words, are you going to interact with me without being a predator? And are you going to tell me where you want me to be? And I'll be good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then that creates the container i mean this is real basic but that creates a container of being able to then drop into creating what i would call an opening for people to step into and be seen heard and gotten if if you can sort of imagine that you know as still as a previous engineer i still think in pictures <clears throat> it's like here's the bigger piece it's safe and i belong here <sighs> thank you very much and then it's like inside here can you see me you willing to can you hear what i hear me and sometimes not even the words i say but but the feelings that i have mm -hmm. and then can you get me even if you don't necessarily agree with me can we do that Mm 
And so, um, I mean, we can break that down into, you know, very therapeutic terms if we want to here, but the, but that's what we're really after as beings in the world. Really, honestly, whether it's between you and me, you know, I want to know where I belong with you. I want to know if I'm safe with you. I want to know Mm -hmm. if you see here and get me. You want that same thing from me. And you deserve that same thing from me. You know, whether it be, you know, somebody that I'm working with, whether it be my horse, whether it be my partner. A lot of people don't have that in their lives. Oh, my gosh. Right. And I was thinking it's a probably a, it's a breakdown. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a breakdown of one or a multitude of those five that creates dysfunction in any relationship. Right. I totally. Well, it it's a breakdown. Of, and what's interesting about it is it only needs to be one that can really break things mm. apart. Mm. Um, and in a relationship it's really important to get and this is part of getting your partner or your friend to get that sometimes they don't have the skills to do what you want them to do yeah totally because they've had a hard life too Mm mm-hmm and uh, they've gone through shit too and the what's really interesting about it and this is this is one of the pieces when i would teach and i'm not teaching at the university anymore i've been trying to retire and it's not going so well (laughs) Uh, it's it's a true statement but even in therapists get taught it's like well i asked for what you know, help your clients ask for what they need. And it's like, there is that level. We need to do that. But there's also the level of like, what do you need? And that's what shifted when I talk, tell the story about my mother and asking her, what, what was it like for you? Now, could I have done that as a five-year-old? No, and that's not how it goes. But it's like, you know, what's it like for you and your relationship? What What do you need to be seen because i could and purely hypothetical i could say well johnny you don't see me you don't get me that's not going to help us Mm -hmm. but i could say i get you and i see you and that's going to create an opening for you to get me and see me Mm. so uh, let me just throw out one other thing and then we can go wherever you want to go The bigger picture that I see is my job in the world as a man is to create an opening for others to be able to come in and make contact with me. That's my job. That's what I do. But it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. I do that with with whomever I'm with because that's what life is for me. And I need to be available for contact. When I do that, what happens is that people great openings for me to step into and are available for contact with me. And so that's maybe an underlying foundation of some of those other things too. Mm -hmm. Mm. 
I was, I think in terms of certainly pictures as well, but also like analogies or metaphors. And I was just thinking about it in terms of, you know, a, a, a three-legged stool of being gotten mm. and seen and heard. But then the thing on which you sit on <laughs> allows you to feel safe. Totally. And then you, you get to bring the chair up to the table and you belong. So it's like without... Wow, that, that's great. I, li- I yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah that's with, cool. Without those, you know, without one of those, like you said, it's it's not a safe yeah, you're always sitting on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're always trying to... Find your yeah, equilibrium. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, uh, and, and I do also think about it, you know, a lot of the stuff we obviously we think about it. I hope I'm sure guys that are listening to this are having their wheels turn as well. I think about, you know, hating my father until he came out of the closet and in that moment created an opening when he was finally vulnerable, deeply vulnerable for the first time. And I felt like I had seen him and we were connecting and I just, I didn't do it. I guess, I guess I did it intuitively, which is like, I just, you're safe. I see you. I get you. And I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care who you love. I love you regardless. And that was the, the Genesis of a massively healing relationship, you know, so now we're great friends. Right. So I I do feel like uh, for men who maybe have, you know, family dysfunction or, you know, spouses, children, parents, friends, uh, siblings, there's, there's always space for healing mm-hmm. when they come back to, you know, working on themselves and finding that healing within. Well, the coolest thing about what happened with your father is his love of authenticity when he mm-hmm. finally got there. Mm-hmm. And it was like, there was a wall between the two of you before he was authentic. And a great big wall. Mm -hmm. And the level of authenticity that he shared with you, I mean, that was a big risk. I mean, you could have told him you're, yeah, you, that was a huge risk. Yeah. But it's what created a bond. And the, and many times, and this is straight out of Gabor Mate's work is, is Gabor talks a lot about the, the tension between being authentic and being attached. Mm. Are you familiar with that at all? Mm. No, no. Oh, well, let me share that a little bit Please. because it, it's pretty powerful stuff. Many times what we will choose is to try to be attached over being authentic. And if... if and then what gets created is a false or pseudo attachment because only part of us is there to attach. And, but we think if we don't tell the truth about ourselves, it will be okay. We'll be accepted. Or if we hide something, we'll be, we'll be, we'll belong or those kind of things. But like in your father's case, I mean, he was hiding a lot. I mean, five children, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, really? Mm-hmm. And, but because of that lack of authenticity, he was not able to attach, nor was he able to create the opening for you to attach until right. he got authentic. That makes sense. It makes total sense. 
And then when he, and, and many of us, including me, it's like, oh, I'm afraid to tell the truth because I might get rejected. Well, that's true. We might. But if I don't tell the truth, I'm already rejected. I, I'm yeah. already setting it up. I'm not setting, I'm not allowing myself to be safe. I'm not allowing myself to belong. I'm not allowing myself the chance to do either of those things. And the um, authenticity is the key because if I give authenticity, give up authenticity to create attachment, it's not real attachment. It's not really there. It's it's a false. It's a pseudo attachment. Mm -hmm. It's it's not something that you can grab hold of in a storm. It's something mm -hmm. that if thing if it's smooth sailing, it's all good. Mm -hmm. There's a storm, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think of nice guy behavior, which I certainly have spent an entire lifetime doing. You know, <laughs> I attach myself to my mom or to women to the validation that I got from totally. primarily women. You know, but I didn't, I was, I was anything but authentic mm -hmm. and I felt like I was a complete fake. I was totally faking it. Even through all, it wasn't until my, my marriage blew up in my face. I was like, okay, fuck this game and this mask, like yeah. the, the, the rigs up, the gigs up. Like I'm all right. Like people can see through me. I'm, I'm actually, I failed now. So from here, who I actually want to become. And that was right. kind of the, right. Well, and just what you just said, you can't be seen, heard, or gotten if you're fake. Because mm -hmm. it's like what what someone got to grab hold of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like no wonder. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder then men who are listening to this might feel like I hope this is as aha to them as this for me. It's like no wonder then you feel like everything looks good on paper. You and bet. yet I feel no sense of intimacy or connection, relationship genuinely with maybe anyone or with themselves yeah. they don't even know yeah. who they are right mm -hmm. and what you just said johnny is so important because it's like that's the other piece is are you willing to see here and get yourself are you willing to actually look at yourself and go yeah i see who i am are you willing to look at yourself and and go yeah, I just said that shit. Is that really what I want to be saying? Yeah. Am I really hearing myself here? Yeah, yeah. And then are you looking, are you willing to look at yourself and actually do you get yourself? Do you get that you struggle? Do you get that that you just lied three days ago to your best friend because you didn't want to tell the truth because you needed to cancel a meeting? Do you get that you lied to the woman that you're with that that you know that yes you were scrolling through and looking at women on instagram mm -hmm. you know do you get that that you know two weeks ago when she turned you down for sex that you were incredibly hurt because what you're really asking for was just to be touched mm -hmm. touching being you know having your back rubbed would have been wonderful but you didn't even know how to ask for it. Do you get that? You know, you know, do, are you, are you willing to see here and get yourself? 
as well as the other. So many of those questions for me, uh, I know, began kind of cracking me open. And I know the men that I've experienced uh, doing men's work with over the last 13, 14 years have been, you know, uh, brought me to, I think I, it wasn't until I was 36 till I finally started to feel like, oh, I actually can value myself. I can actually, like the, 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 the self-love part started to kick in. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Yeah. I have my scars. I've certainly made mistakes and everything else, but I'm starting to see the value because I noticed too, that everyone else seemed to value me, but me. So that was a big aha. I'm like, well, why am I late to the party here? But then as I started to, (laughs) started to, you know, really see that there was things that I could love about myself. That was obviously a big part Mm -hmm. that I know a lot of Mm -hmm. men that I work with to have to continue doing the work, but, um, we talked before we started recording about a, a bunch of things that you're doing in helping men and women and couples and various other things. You have your, your, um, mastermind, you've got the initiation. What are, what are the, some of the things that people could connect with you on, whether it be men coming to initiation that we were talking about in a couple of weeks, um, or throughout this year or your art of instinct and intuition mastermind, just, if you don't mind, share some of the things that you're putting out there in support of people's healing. Yeah, thank you for asking me that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the initiations with Man Uncivilized and Traver, they're dynamite. They're so good. Life-changing. Um, and they're deep dives. They're also fun. Hmm. Just, so fun. Yeah, just yeah. so people get that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of playing. There's a lot of like, yeah, learning about yourself too. Yeah, yeah. So that's one piece. The other piece, the uh, it's like a mastermind masterclass. It's for uh, experienced coaches and therapists. This particular one is full. I, Kimberly and I, were looking at dates for another one coming up. Cool. Um, I also teach a class on, uh, have you, do you know who Wilhelm Reich is? Have you ever heard of him? He was, he's a dude in the, he, Reich, Freud, uh, Maslow, Pearls, um, guy named Abrams, sort of all all the, those dudes that were, you know, we look back and go, oh, wow, they sort of started this whole psychotherapy. Fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Reich was the first person who worked on uh, work from a somatic perspective. Mm. And I, he has different, what he calls character logical body structures that, that uh, he put together that I did four years of training in Reiki and body and breath work as part of my postmaster's work. And I integrate his work with uh, my developmental model for coaches and therapists, putting that together because it, it's really powerful. We're putting in, I've done numbers of classes with that. I'm putting together another one. It's a two day class. 
it's fascinating as around um you know when people say certain things and they have certain kinds of body structures how they all go together and we and all that the body structure stuff and, and the developmental stuff is based on what our experiences are in life and how to work through those experiences they're not judgmental mm -hmm. just so everybody knows that mm -hmm. uh, from my perspective i don't diagnose as a therapist you will not hear me talking about oh someone has such and such disorder i know how to do that i've actually taught that um, but you will not hear me saying someone's borderline or someone's narcissistic i don't do that i don't believe mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. um the other thing that i'm that i am in the process of starting and this might be one of the things that that numbers of men might be really interested in because i'm going to put together a 12 week um and i'm not 100 percent sure what i'm even going to call it yet this is purely creative brainstorming right now yeah i love but it like life relational process something mm -hmm. and uh it's going to be limited to eight men i'm going to meet 90 minutes a week uh for 12 weeks and the 90 minutes, I will do that online. If I get enough local people to, what I might do is at the end of it, do like a full day meeting with everybody in person. So people can come cool. in. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, but that would be, I, it will be like an online group that'll be therapeutic. It won't be super heavy duty therapy. But it'd be more therapeutic kind of work on, mm. you know, relational, like, like the questions that men have, like, how do I, you know, how do I create an opening for the woman I'm with to be sexual with me? Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I tap into, like, I have these feelings, what, but I don't know what they are. What, what, what do these mean? How do, how do I figure that stuff out? How do I, um, I mean, the, that kind of stuff. Uh, how do I create an opening? What's that mean when you say create an opening? When you talk about energetic creating an opening and blending and and with another person, how do, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, right. You know, um, it'll be, I'll be incorporating some stuff with horses, a keto, and then all of my developmental stuff. Incredible. So incredible. Um, I'll be putting that together. Actually, the truth is, is as soon as I get eight people, I'll put it, I'll start putting together dates for it. So well, you can count me um, in. So you got one. Okay. Yeah. Uno mas. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, it. those are the main things I'm doing. Um, the other thing, and this is, uh Kimberly who's my partner like we work together we also live together so we're mm -hmm. partners in every way mm -hmm. Kimberly is also a therapist and we do couples intensives mm -hmm. so um and those like we start one tomorrow they're two days long mm -hmm. you go from 9 a.m to 5 30 ish each day uh, where couples come in and it's like, let's dig into what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. um, 
So those those are what I have going. So powerful. Yeah. So many good things. Well, uh, as I've told Traver and several other men, including yourself, that I deeply honor and, and admire, I'm just here to help, you know, promote and support what you guys are doing too. Uh, I just feel like I'm, you know, uh, a catch all in some sense of guys that connect with me in one way or another. And then they come to me and I often say in my newsletters and my podcasts and various other things, it's like, if you want resources, reach out to me, Instagram, mm. email, and I'll just, because uh, I'm not doing it myself. They know that I've got my HVAC business and real estate and I've got mm. a lot of irons in the fire. So I only have so much limited bandwidth too, but that's why I want to connect them with you and Trevor yeah. and Connor and various other guys. So, <clears throat> well, um, and, and don't, don't uh, underestimate what you bring to this, Johnny. You, you're amazing. Thank I mean, you. You are amazing. So please don't underestimate that. You bring a lot to this. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I want to do it alongside with them. I want to go to the initiation with them. I want to go right on a pack trip right uh, with them and with you. I definitely want to keep doing my work because there's an yeah. evidence, right? The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. I think yeah. uh, that's what Michael said when he was on the podcast. So, well, I, so here's a gig. Let me, let me speak to that. I have like, I read and listen incessantly to who knows God knows who. <laughs> yeah. All kinds of different things. And my, what I would say is probably in the last five to eight years I have learned more about being a therapist than I did the first 40 years because wow. I've been I've been doing I've been working with people since 1970 wow and it's like it's one of the pieces that when we allow ourselves to grow and when we allow ourselves to learn that the longer we do it the more it, we like increase exponentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, so some of that early stuff where we're going like, what the fuck am I doing? And why am I doing this? Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, keep, keep going, Just keep, keep going. going. Yeah. 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 Keep going because it's not going to all be home runs. Right. Yeah. Well, there, there be kind of, so yesterday I, and I know that we're sort of closing up here. So yeah, it's all good. Yesterday, one of my horses, his name is Moondash. He's, for those in the audience who know about horses, he's a racing quarter horse. He's 16.2 uh, hands high. Mm -hmm. So he's a big boy. Mm -hmm. um, he's out of the racing quarter horse line of Dash for Cash. Mm. So very faint. Dash for Cash is very famous. Great grandfather of his. Mm -hmm. The stuff that, and I haven't gotten to ride too much because the weather's been horrible, but I wrote both yesterday and the day before. The stuff that came together yesterday between me and Moondash was amazing. It was like, oh, and, and I've been riding horses for years, decades. And it was like, oh, I finally got that. We finally made it to this, the energetic cues to this. It, it's like, it, it's like the world's still an amazing place. Mm -hmm. 
let yourself learn. Mm. I love that. I love that. Well, Dewey, knowing that we could talk for hours, um, well, I'll have you on another time for sure. Um, I'd be honored. Yeah, it's it's an honor to have you on. And again, as I, you know, I'm coming around full circle, you know, I, even knowing what you've, you know, the tip of the iceberg of the experiences that you had, the the commitment and the relentlessness that you've expressed in pursuing your own healing and then turning that in, like turning your mess into your message, as they say, mm. um, you know, the, 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 the the beautiful part that I love about just being around you, and I and I sense it obviously just even in talking and seeing you on Zoom, um, that I want guys to aim for <laughs> um, is to be the type of man who can just shift a room energetically without saying anything. Mm. And you do that, you know. Well, thank you. And Traver and Michael Gay, you know, uh, that's what what I'm aspiring to do. I feel like I'm on that that way in that trajectory Definitely. as well. But I think that's more of what uh, this world needs for all of us to feel safer and to belong Absolutely. Absolutely. To be around safe men who are dangerous, but keep themselves under control. Right. You bet. Right. You bet. So thank you for just letting your light shine and for sharing everything that you have over this last hour, hour and a half. Um, I'm just so grateful that our paths have crossed and that we'll continue to do everything we can to support each other, of course. And I'm just looking forward to riding some horses with you. Yeah, that's a deal. Thank yeah, you, sir. That's a deal. Awesome. Well, I'll put uh, in the show notes, uh, I'll put in my newsletter, obviously when you get your stuff formalized, whether it be that 12 week course, anything like I'm, I'm happy to, of course, put it into my newsletters and just share it with mm. my growing email of, of, uh, of men who are listening and buying my books and everything else. So sounds fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dewey. Guys, uh, give Dewey a follow on Instagram. Uh, you can find him on online. I'll put all of those links in the show notes. And until the next episode of the Becoming Kings, thanks for joining us. We'll catch up with you soon. Cheers. Cheers. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.